today on Ag News Daily. You know, uh, there was a good sized bean say over 500,000 tons on the morning wire. You know, I think that that kind of kicked things off. I mean, on the overnight market, you gapped higher basically on thoughts that some of the South American dryness. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and happy Market Monday here on the Ag News Daily Podcast. Delaney Howell joined by Ashton Carr today. Ashton, what do you know this Monday afternoon? You know, Delaney, I know that it was a little bit of a slow news day. I really don't have a whole lot of timely, interesting things to talk about today. A handful of things to talk about, of course, but I feel like there's not a whole lot going on in the ag world this Monday morning. Oh, I would have to disagree with you today. I've been watching a lot of different things. Okay, well, I don't know if we're on different sites or or what. So what do you have for us today? Well. I guess I shouldn't say that there is a ton of ag news, but there is a ton of world news in general that does impact ag to some extent. I've been watching pretty closely here what's been going on with Russia and Ukraine because we're getting reports now from a couple of different news outlets that we could perhaps see tensions escalating. And I believe it was NBC reported on Meet the Press over the weekend that an invasion of Ukraine could happen at any time. Now, we know that President Biden is trying to de-escalate tensions as well as other world leaders, but they're not sounding very optimistic and said that really they're seeing intensifying diplomatic efforts or that they are intensifying diplomatic efforts to decrease escalation or tensions. But all in all, it didn't sound like that was going so well. So that is certainly kind of looming here over the entire world. All the while, we're having the, of course, Winter Olympics going on in Beijing. So it's just a really odd time right now with that intensifying. And a lot of those athletes, obviously, all together at the World Games. So it's kind of a strange situation. It is a really strange situation. And I think that this next piece of news that I have to talk about is even more strange dealing with the Winter Olympics and the Paralympics that are to take place in March, right after the Winter Olympics this month. Because the FBI has released a private industry notification, otherwise known as a PIN, to warn that entities associated with the Winter Olympics this month and Paralympics in March, that malicious cyber actors could use a broad range of cyber activities to disrupt these events. These activities include distributed denial of service attacks, ransomware, malware, social engineering, data theft or leaks, phishing campaigns, disinformation campaigns, and insider threats. So the FBI is urging those who are competing or traveling for the Beijing Winter Olympics to keep their personal cell phones at home and use a temporary burner phone while attending these events. And I thought that was a little scary, if you ask me. Ashton, it's interesting you bring up the burner phone things because I think I mentioned this on the podcast last week. I have a colleague that was asked to work the Olympic events for sports coverage. And I texted him the other day after we talked about it on the podcast. And I was just curious, you know, how it was going for him. And he said that he tested two or three times here in the US and all his COVID tests came back negative. Then when he gets to China, he gets a positive test. Who knows if it was a false positive or what? So he's basically quarantining in his Chinese hotel room. But he said the 
atmosphere there is very strange because there are folks wearing hazmat suits that are standing outside of the doors, basically guarding the workers that are working these sporting events, which is very odd. And they're being tested daily before they head out for the day to go do the coverage of the Olympics. So it's just a very odd environment altogether with, you know, burner phones, the Russia, Ukraine tensions, just a very strange situation overall right now. Yeah, I don't know that I'd really want to switch places with him at this point. You know, a little jealous that he gets such a a neat opportunity, but it just sounds really strange to me. I don't know that I'd want to be over there right now. And just to add a little bit more to this, a lot going on when it comes to China today, because U.S. officials have now called for concrete action from China to make good on its commitment to purchase the $200 billion in additional U.S. goods and services in 2020 and 2021 under the phase one trade deal. The officials said that Washington was losing patience with Beijing, which had, quote, not shown real signs in recent months that it would close the gap in the two year purchase commitments that expired at the end of 2021. And, you know, I also read some stories about concern of recent dealings between China and Russia and how that they could threaten U.S. ag export demand. So a lot going on. I feel kind of eerie. Yes, it is a little eerie. Not that we're forecasting anything major to happen, but it's certainly a a tense time globally right now on that side of the world. It's also tense, you know, when you look down to South America as they're still dealing with production issues or potential production issues due to weather. And we're going to talk about that here with Matt Bennett coming up in just a little while. But today we saw private exporters reported a sale of 507,000 metric tons of soybeans headed to a delivery of unknown destinations this morning. And that certainly helps to support the markets here today. We also, of course, have the February WASI report that comes out on Wednesday at 11 a.m. And the average trade range here is pretty, pretty similar to what we saw last month. We're estimating the average trade to be about at a one and a half billion bushels for corn carryout, about a three tenths of a billion bushel for soybeans. Uh, And so overall, you know, we never really truly know what's going to happen in these WASD reports, but uh, this one is not expected to be a huge market mover, although we say that with a grain of salt, because of course, we say that and then USDA throws some sort of monkey wrench into the balance sheet there. So certainly are watching that this week as well. And, you know, Ashton, as we continue to look at profitability in the protein sector, I know producers are starting to make more money, but there's always the concern or the leeriness by producers that the ABCDs are making more. Uh, the big the big four, I should say, not the ABCDs, the big four in the protein industry are making more. And that was definitely confirmed today because Tyson Foods put out a profit statement for quarter four and said that it was up 14% from the start of the year after rebounding from a one-month low. Tyson shares climbed by more than 11% to an all-time high today after the company did report those first quarter profits nearly doubled so far this year due to soaring U.S. meat prices and, of course, 
consumers are feeling those price surges at the grocery store as the consumer dollar goes not quite as far at the grocery store as inflation is, of course, a factor here as well. Well, Delaney, there's a little bit of inflation in the chicken wing market as retail wing prices are up about 30 cents per pound on average from this time last year. And that could potentially be a concern as the Super Bowl is approaching here. Americans are anticipated to eat 1.42 billion wings while watching the game against the Cincinnati Bengals and the LA Rams. Wing sales in Cincinnati have seen a 27.6% growth during the NFL playoffs and LA a 37.3% increase compared to the same period last year. I don't know what your plans are for the Super Bowl, Delaney, but I honestly might be shelling out some more coins to eat some chicken wings. Uh, Yeah, you know, I feel like we've had this same story usually this time of year around Super Bowl (laughs) season, actually. This feels like broken record a little bit here. Yeah, you're probably right there, but I'm a big fan of chicken wings. Not really too big of a fan of football, but I thought that it was uh, an interesting story and maybe a little bit of a lighter note to end our news stories on today. That is totally a great idea. And also, while we're continuing on the lighter notes here, we got some good news in the markets today if you are a grain producer. So maybe not so much if you're a livestock producer, but let's kick things off here in the commodity markets with March corn today, which closed up 14 and three quarters cents at 635 and a quarter. The Dece new crop corn up seven and a quarter cent today, closing at 581. In soybeans today, big moves to the upside after gapping open higher in the overnight. March beans up 28 and a quarter cent, closing at 1581 and three quarters. The November up 20 and a quarter cent, closing at 1416. Chicago wheat higher as well today with the March contract adding five and a half cents, settling at 768 and three quarters. May added six pennies to close at 776. Hopping over to take a look at livestock today, we saw weakness in the cattle complex as the February, as the April live cattle contract, excuse me, closed 47 and a half cents lower at a buck 46.40. The June down 27 and a half cents, closing at 141.10. In the feeder cattle pits, the March contract shed a dollar oh seven today, closing at one sixty five oh two. The April down a dollar fifteen at one seventy twenty seven and a half. And in lean hogs, we saw strength today as the February contract added sixty seven and a half cents, closing at eighty seven seventy. The April up a buck twenty, closing at one oh one twenty seven, and the May up a dollar fifteen, closing at one oh four eighty two and a half. And lastly, wrapping things up here with the class three dairy milk futures strength today as the March contract added 28 cents, closing at 21.94. The April up 30 cents, closing at 22.10. Ashton, without further ado, let's kick it over to our conversation with Matt Bennett to chat markets here on this hashtag Market Monday. Well, folks, we are chatting with Matt Bennett of agmarket.net, who is live today from the agmarket.net conference there in Kansas City. Matt, give us your quick hit. Uh, What should folks know that you're sharing with other farmers at the conference today? Well, you know, we're just trying to help producers understand uh, how many chips are on the table this year and, you know, what kind of risk factors you've got to deal with. I mean, yeah, obviously last year was a great year. Uh, A lot of folks made good money. 
but you know, whenever you look at this year, it's no secret that it's a lot more expensive to put the crop out. And so there's a little more risk uh, to, uh, for instance, a market collapse. And so, you know, how can you kind of latch on to maybe a worst case scenario and uh, keep some upside open events? We don't raise a huge crop this year. You know, there's several things that we've been talking about at the conference uh, so far here today on Monday. And there are certainly a lot of different factors, like you mentioned, they're impacting this year's productivity and commodity prices. And of course, here we are in February now, and this month we're going to see spring crop insurance price set. What are you advising farmers right now while this is going on? Are you suggesting to market grain? How do you incorporate the price being set into marketing plans this time of year? You know, I think a lot of folks have gotten up to maybe 20 uh, 25%. A lot of folks we've talked to, I know uh, we've uh, been more aggressive on beans than corn, but both our bean and corn programs are programs that can have flexibility with the bean sale that we put in place for November beans. You know, we had flexibility up to $15 uh, on some of those sales and on corn, you know, we had uh, flexibility up to six fifty and $7 on some of those sales. So, you know, we've been telling folks as you set the crop insurance, especially I think once you get out past the halfway point and in the month, uh, obviously that's going to be after the February crop report, which is this week. Uh, it's usually quiet, but who knows this uh, this this year. But uh, regardless, I think if you get out past the halfway point, you can have a little more assurance, you know, of, of what those spring prices are going to look like. There's no doubt they're going to be really solid spring prices, you know, looking uh, versus uh, – what we've seen in the past. I mean, it certainly looks like we could have, um, you know, some of the best spring prices uh, we've seen since 2012, you know, whenever it gets uh, uh, to looking, for instance, at corn, uh, you know, whenever you look, for instance, at soybeans, uh, you know, it's obvious that it could be, uh, you know, a really good price. Uh, but to me, uh, right now, I think it's almost a, almost a sure thing you're going to see an all-time record for uh, spring insurance price on beans. Last time, uh, the last high we saw was uh, 1349 there back in uh, uh, 2011. So uh, right now, we're obviously significantly above that. It could be pretty exciting moving forward. But uh, right now, I think the main thing is if you make sales, you got to keep some flexibility. Uh, uh, you don't want to get oversold in a year where, for instance, you don't happen to raise the bushels because that could definitely be a tough road to hoe. And we saw that happen a lot. That's two producers in 2012. We don't want to go back there. Absolutely not. And I think, as you mentioned there, of course, WASD is this week, which who knows what USDA is going to put out. It's always hard to predict them. But there's still a lot of question marks when you look at production numbers coming to us from South America. And we're continuing to hear worsening weather conditions down there. How much more steam do we have left in this tank? And I mean, how much do we have left to trade this South American weather story? You know, you bring up a great point. I mean, Delaney, you got to ask yourself, um, what uh, at what point does a trader say, you know, why are we bullish beans at fifteen eighty five, you know, or whatever right. the price might be, sixteen fifty? I don't know what that price is, but at some point, those who are investing in the market, which is essentially what we've got, a lot of investment money flown in, as they are buying a story, if you will, you know, you you run the risk that at some point you're going to come in. Uh, you know, like we gapped higher uh, on the overnight for most bean contracts. Uh, if you do that, and then all of a sudden, you know, you end up closing the day lower, 
uh, that can be a, a really bad situation. Now, obviously, we didn't do that today, but those are the, the things to really watch out for because to keep the interest of some of these people investing in the market, you've got to avoid some of those uh, types of technical uh, reversals and uh, sweeping, key reversal, name it, whatever, uh, whatever it might be. But once some of those things might happen, uh, the interest level can wane significantly. And I think that this bean market could be one of those situations where whenever the um, exit doors open. They won't be big enough for everyone. And Matt, when you look at today's price action, obviously grains across the board saw quite a bit of strength today. What was going on to push markets higher? You know, uh, there was a good sized bean sale over 500,000 tons on the morning wire. You know, I think that that kind of kicked things off. I mean, on the overnight market, you gapped higher basically on thoughts that some of the South American dryness was, uh, uh, you know, and it's not just right now. I mean, there's been rains of late uh, in some of the drier areas, but the forecast is that the heat's not going to back off and you're going to return right to a, a dry pattern. And so, yeah, I think there's a lot of folks that are afraid to go into this report essentially with um, any sort of a short position just because the market's been really incessant. Like if you were short this bean market lately, you know, what your what your thought process likely has been is, oh, the market's got to back off at some point, you know, because a healthy market needs a correction. Well, you're waiting on a correction and probably uh, it's going to be pretty tough to feed the, feed the position, you know. And so I think a lot of the shorts in the market have got chased out and it's driven the markets even higher than maybe what we would have seen before. How high can we go? I mean, nobody knows because uh, uh, you get into a market like this and at some point, you know, the, the volume is going to you know, get a little thinner and people are going to get a little bit afraid and really gun shy to step in the way of the freight train. And uh, whenever you see that happen, you can see some extreme swings. Yeah. And, you know, like you said there, usually the market is making corrections for itself, which obviously provides a good place if farmers aren't involved in this rally to step in at that point. But we really haven't seen a ton of corrections. So for those farmers, especially in the soybean side of things that maybe have some physical bushels already sold, priced out for 2022, but are now kicking themselves because they're not involved in this rally, what options do they have right now? Uh, you know, here's the thing. I totally understand and totally identify with what you're saying. It's frustrating if you've got, you know, November beans uh, settling today, you know, at 1416, and maybe you sold some beans at 1250. But let's uh, be real about it. Uh, most producers can make really good money. Uh, and what I always tell people is if your first sale, you know, is your worst sale and it's uh, profitable, you're probably going to have an awfully good year. So, you know, I don't want to get super cute with the market after, a, you know, a couple of dollar rally. I think that um, one thing a producer needs to understand is that if they're incrementally selling, you know, yeah, they're not all their sales are going to be as pretty as the other ones that they make. Uh, but don't be afraid to go ahead and make another incremental sale. Uh, especially if you're purchasing crop insurance and you know, you've got insured bushels to sell. I think it makes a lot of sense to step in here and, uh, you know, um, uh, reward the market whenever you see the kind of rally that, quite frankly, a lot of folks weren't expecting would happen. Yeah, absolutely. And, and don't get too greedy in the market this time year, because I think that's a lot of producers kick themselves because they're mad that they didn't sell at the high, but it's still profitable levels. So we've got to be uh, optimistic and happy that we have these levels right now for sure. But yeah. Matt, you know, the other market that really I've been watching pretty closely the last couple of days has been this crude oil market. It is above $90 now in the front month contract and obviously a little weakness today, but man, how much farther do we have to move here to the upside? 
Yeah, it's a good question. You know, and I would say with the crude oil market, you know, seeing a hundred dollar crude sometime uh, uh, before too long is 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 um, you know it's it's certainly possible. I'm not going to say it's probable, but by all means, there's a lot of interest in owning crude right now, and um, you know we've we've kind of rolled this market uh, to much higher levels than most people thought. I mean, we're we're a good forty dollars off of where we were a year ago, so um, you know up uh, above, and so um, I don't know uh, how much higher we can go, Delaney, but I can tell you that uh, you know we've been telling producers to keep in mind that you know with this inflationary type tone that we see in a lot of different commodities, uh, uh, protecting yourself, you know whether it's uh, through some heating oil contracts uh, for those that are buying diesel fuel. Uh, or whatever it might be, whether it's natural gas for someone that uh, needs to secure a lot of natural gas, we, we've we got to be cognizant of the fact that, um, you know, some of these world events that could happen, obviously, Russia and Ukraine, um, you know, things like that, if we would see the wrong world events take place, I mean, there's no question you could see energy prices continue to climb. And so uh, uh, my personal opinion is that if you are susceptible uh, to a major hit on your income, then at least do some risk management because risk management doesn't need, you know, it, it's more than just uh, hedging or selling some corn and beans, you know, it's managing the input side too. And I think that uh, if we can uh, do a good job of managing both sides of this thing, and uh, we can definitely ensure ourselves a really good year again here in 22. Fantastic. Well, Matt, I know you're at the conference today, so we will let you go, but we certainly appreciate you chatting markets with us today and hope the rest of the conference goes well for you. Absolutely. Uh, really appreciate you having me on today. Thanks again there to Matt for coming on and chatting with us again there for Market Monday. We, of course, have our Tech Tuesday episode tomorrow and a plethora of interesting conversations that we're going to be having later on this week. So, folks, do tune in at agnewsdaily.com or wherever you get your podcasts. With that, Delaney, should we let the people go? Let's let them go.